It's not that easy being green Having to spend each day the color of the leaves When I think it could be nicer being red Or yellow or gold Or something much more colorful like that It's not easy being green It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things And people tend to pass you over Cause you're not standing out Like flashy sparklers on the water Or stars in the sky But the color of spring This is episode 488 for January 2018, and you're listening to the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast, and I'm your host, Brad Douglas. And that is Kermit the Frog, Frank Sinatra, and Ray Charles singing the song Being Green, and I like all three of those renditions. It's very cool, but it's not easy being green when you're the Hulk and the Green Goblin, and that is the topic of this month's Fight Club, and we'll get to that in just a second. But before we do that, I want to give some thank you to people that have supported this podcast and helped support the website uh, each and every month through PayPal and Patreon. So on Patreon, I want to give a shout-out to Brian, Craig, Christopher, Andrew, John, Stephen, Michael J., Frederico, Stuart, Ricky, Thomas, Michael R., Daryl, and Spider-Gwen. If you'd like to support the site and podcast through Patreon, log on to SpiderManCrawlspace.com, look on the right-hand side, and at the bottom of every news post, it says support the site through Patreon, and you can do that and help us pay the expensive bandwidth and website hosting. Also, you can donate uh, for a one-time deal over on uh, PayPal. So thank you to Javel and William, which have done that uh, in December and January. I appreciate that, fellas. That uh, donation is also on the right-hand side of the front page at SpidermanCrawlspace.com. So let's get your green boxing gloves on and start fighting some green heroes and villains with Spidey. I'm green, and it'll do fine, and it's beautiful, and I think it's what I want to be. Hey, Crawl Spacers, welcome to our first fight of 2018. Let's introduce, uh, we've got in the panel, George, the Friday Night Fights. We've got some more guests this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's commonplace to see uh, uh, JR since we, uh, since we do these when we also do Spider Histories. Yeah. Um, it is. What's going on, JR? <clears throat> uh, I'm just trying to uh, get over my New Year's Eve hangover. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I woke up and realized that I was I was still married and uh, still had children, and uh, it's like, uh, and I wanted to go to sleep for another year. Wow! And we also have uh, Zach on the line. What's going on, Zach? You know, um, since since we last uh, did a, a Friday night fight last year, I turned thirty in the interim. Oh wow! And, uh, My heart uh, breaks and, for you. And, <laughs> yeah, and uh, one, I feel old, the dirty thirty. But two, uh, good old Stan Lee, <laughs> good old Stan Lee turned ninety six. You, so you and Stan Lee share a birthday. What's the date again? It's December December twenty eighth. There you go, December twenty eighth. And since we're talking about the Hulk in this fight, we have Michael Bailey on the line. What's going on, Mike? Hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> that, is, that is a great, great looking. If for the YouTube viewers, that who Bob Hall, I think Bob Larkin, Bob, Bob Larkin, Larkin did, that's right. Yeah, he drew a lot of the. Uh, he did a lot of the painted covers for the Hulk magazine. I still that have that poster. It, I love. That's one of the best Hulk images of all time. I, I, it, it is one of the most iconic. I will. I will yeah. agree with that completely. Yeah. So uh, we thought, George, right? Since we've got the biggest goblin fan on the line and one of the biggest hulk fans on the line with mr bailey why yeah. not combine them 
for the first appearance, which is Amazing Spider-Man number 14, volume well, one. Well, we had Bailey for the other night. You yeah. know, we'd, we'd already paid it. Back in December. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and um, yeah, so it just makes sense. And, you know, I mean, Jr., who I had flirted with maybe banning from uh, from Friday Night <laughs> Fight altogether uh, after, uh, you know, for not staying in his lane. That now, one see, time I thought this over. was another invitation for me to take over the show. I mean, uh, I was, I'm fully you know, expecting you to. Bailey, that's what happened last time when we talked about uh, the Goblin. Jr. just uh, went over, all over. Yeah, Jr. like covered the entire damn issue. Like he started talking and then didn't stop for like half an hour. And then he said, <laughs> but I'm rambling, so I'll let George talk about the fight. And we're like, dude, you just covered everything. <laughs> the show's over. I mean, what do we- <laughs> it, it became it was hijacked into a spider history impromptu. Yeah. It was very crazy. So, so there's but a, I, I've decided out of the goodness of my own heart, my 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 probably enlarged heart, um, <laughs> to, to let JR just like the Grinch. Grinch yeah, the Grinch sizes it, 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 too big down there in Texas. <clears throat> to let to let JR uh, back into our into our good graces on uh, on Friday Night Fight, and so then George- and then we pick Zach up like a hobo along the way. <laughs> <laughs> so George, yeah, there, there's just, several just, fights that Spider Man has in this issue. Yeah, uh, Spider-Man fights. Uh, he fights First, the Green Goblin. Yeah, he fights the Enforcers. Yep, and he fights very, very briefly. He fights the Hulk. I, yeah. I say very briefly. It's the longest fight in this in this whole thing. Yeah, but it's funny because he he fights the Hulk and then immediately goes on to to fighting the Green Goblin. Yeah. Um. So it's. I think this is the this may be the first Ditko fight we've covered. It possibly is on Friday night fight. And I don't cover Ditko fights as much because, mm-hmm. and, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm going to get, I can already hear chat YouTube, the YouTube chat salty tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to get hit, hit for something on this, no matter what I say. Um, the, the lead Ditko Spider-Man, while I like it and I enjoy it and I appreciate its place. Um, for me, Spider-Man really had, didn't hit its stride until Lee Romita. And, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not poo-pooing that. I liked Steve Ditko's artwork much better for esoteric things or weird things like Doctor Strange. Um, but with a character like Spider-Man, who's as agile and as strong as he is, it didn't always play out in the artwork. I didn't. I don't really think. And I'm gonna. I know. I'm. That's probably unpopular. And I'm about to get hate. Actually, in actually, I've heard that quite <laughs> often. George, you're not the only one that believes it. It seemed like that 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 uh, Spider-Man grew up more when when. Um, Ditko left the book. Yeah, and it's nothing again. It's nothing against Ditko, and and you can't look at the success that Spider Man had and say that and and, and say that it you know that you know that it, it wasn't as successful as it was partly because of Ditko. It was. Yeah, um, it was. But at the same time, it's just when you talk about eras of Spider Man history, this this pales to what comes after it. In my opinion, you know, when you when you had the Bermuda art, and I, I think they're both really, really strong. the The problem is, is that when it comes to, to the way the fights look visually, yeah, they, I, they're, I'll they're, give you Ramita draws a better fight. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more mainstream. It's why we. It's why I. It's why we don't really talk about a lot of the Ditko fights or any of them on on Friday Night Fights, is because a lot of times they're it. <sighs> They're just weird, you know, and they're not always as, you know, because like, think about it, Brad. A lot of times, think back to any time we're covering something with like Sabu Sema. Mm. He knocks you the know, dude out. We yeah. talk about the power in the art. You know, we talk about, you know, just like, like, like when Ditko draws somebody getting hit, it's like getting hit, and then there's like a little star or something on somebody's chin, it, and somebody goes like this. It's, it's more realistic with Ditko when his art is also kind of non realistic. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, it's Ditko. Kinda, Ditko drew a, 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 a crime noir comic book and had a superhero in it. That was his Spider-Man and that was the strength. So the fights were more like fights you would see on television in the 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, guys throwing punches and stuff. Whereas when you get in with somebody like Ramita or you, you mentioned Sal Buscema, who I I, I I just think he, he draws like somebody like pointing out traffic and it looks like it's powerful. Yeah. It's just, and it's nothing, and, it, and it's nothing against Ditko because, because, you know, George mentioned Dr. Strange. Ditko had a skill set. Yeah. He was really good at it. 
Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you're talking dynamic fights and if you're talking, I really hate Ditko's Hulk. I mean, I'm just I'm just not a fan of it. And I know he drew the character for a really long time. And, and uh, t- Tales to Scottish. And- actually, we're like three months after this issue is when the Hulk got his own strip in Tales to Astonish. So we're still in kind of the interstitial period. But I never liked those Hulks because the Hulk looked... It's basically like watching... And this is nothing against Lou. It's basically like watching Lou Ferrigno fight the Thor on The Return of the Incredible Hulk. (laughs) And then go and watch their fight in Avengers. (laughs) It's just two completely different... Uh, things just because of the special effects of the time. Yes, I will put you down. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's two different <laughs> two different flavors, is what it is. And it's, you know, it's I, I get what Mike is uh, saying about uh, about the artwork and and the way and and some of the people in chat are echoing this. You know, the way that Ditko drew faces. You know, Romita was Romita came from uh, romantic comics from romance comics, mm-hmm. uh, and so his people just looked uh, they could convey emotion a lot better. Um, Hulk here because Ditko uh, or Bailey seized on uh, on Hulk. Uh, there's there's points in here where Hulk looks like like Elvis and Lurch from uh, from from the Adams family had a, had a child <laughs> produced a, a, an offspring. You know? Oh yeah, look at this panel. I I, I that one right there. You yeah, know, it, it looks yeah. exactly like Elvis and Lurch had a kid. There, oh, wow. there, there's, there's irony <laughs> oh, in your statement there because you know who the voice of the Hulk was. For the first like two was it, was seasons, it, was it Ted Cassidy? It was Ted Cassidy. Was it really, Lurch? Yeah, and then he died. Wow, you know, he died in 1979, and then Charles Napier uh, from uh, you know First Blood Part Two and yeah. all that. He took over as the voice of the Hulk. I didn't know that. Yeah, hmm. Ted Cassidy did the opening narration to the Hulk show. Huh. I, I guess I just never. Oh, sad. Which just celebrated his 40th anniversary, Mr. Bailey. 40th anniversary. Isn't that crazy of that pilot. <sighs> Still one of the best TV pilots of all time. Yes. Yeah. Holds up to this day. The Hulk. Uh, By the, the way, Hulk series in the, was much better than the Spider-Man series. <laughs> the what? <laughs> I said when, 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 at this at the, you know when we look at like uh, 70s TV, uh, Superman. Or not Superman, but uh, Hulk. Stop distracting me, Zach. Put, put the damn <laughs> down. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, <clears throat> so, you know, when it came to series, Wonder Woman had a robust series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman had a robust series in the 60s. Hulk had a very robust series. Uh, what, in the late 70s, early 80s? Yeah. 1977 and 1982. Yeah. And, uh, and, Sp- and Spider-Man had what Spider-Man had. <laughs> well, and Spider- they kept moving him, and they they they, yeah. they only filmed a certain number of episodes. I mean, it's, yeah. it's CBS. They didn't I, want I to think, be the superhero network. Yeah, pretty much. And, and like the CW is like, F you. That's all we're going to do. <laughs> Ironically <laughs> enough, half owned by CBS. Yeah. The uh, what was I? Gonna, I was going to say something. Oh, uh, Lou, Lou Ferrigno uh, voiced the Hulk, is what I understand in the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. And he, I, he, I swear, in the new Thor movie, that is no. that that is uh, uh, what's the the actor's name? This banner, Ruffalo? Uh, Mark Ruffalo, Ruffalo, said puny god. That is Mark Ruffalo's voice. Well, in first Avengers film. Ferrigno has been saying that was him. No, listen. Listen to that. That sounds like Ruffalo. That's that's the, yeah. You can honestly. Tell uh, I think uh, I think Ferrigno actually did uh, this. Yeah, the voice of the Hulk in this uh, in the Thor movie. Actually, no. I, had, I, I looked it's, online. And it it, it, it sounds like it sounds like Ruffalo in the Thor movie. It, it sounds he like he might have done the growls because he you know he did the the voice of the Hulk on the '96 animated series. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a story with that when we're not on here, George. We're we're, we're digressing. Let's get to the fight. Let's get to the fight. We've got several fights. We want to start with the first goblin. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, I'm not gonna. Uh, well, I mean, who 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 is this fight against? What is this? A, is this a Spidey versus Hulk fight? Is it a Spidey versus Green Goblin fight, or is it a Spidey versus Enforcers fight? Because in this issue, we fight a lot of different people. Or is this a, is this a Spidey versus this issue fight? I say it's Spidey this issue fight. Okay, so so the title is going to be Spider-Man versus Amazing Spider-Man number fourteen. 
that'll that'll draw people in. All right. <laughs> so yeah. So basically, volume one. Volume basically, one. Basically, Peter gets sent to Hollywood for the first time. Yeah. After promising Aunt May right. that he'll uh, he'll dress warm because you know in Los Angeles you want to dress warm. You know, he, he even says that. I promise, you know, that the, he says the beagle sending him out there. She's talking about how fragile he is. Look, I promise I'll wear warm. I'll wear a sweater. Dude, you're going to L.A. <laughs> no one wears sweaters there. They're, they're, they're in shorts and Christmas. What are you talking you know, about? That panel where he's talking to Aunt May, though, she looks like she gives zero Fs for anything <laughs> he's saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, she has, you know, back then, this is the halcyon days of, uh, of, of the late 60s or pardon me, the early 60s. And, you know, we didn't have all these, uh, you know, sexual harassment scandals breaking every half hour the way we do now. <laughs> so back then, Hollywood was a more wholesome place. <laughs> more, you know, Back then, you know, where you still had stars that were popular that had, that had served in World War II. You know, I mean, you know, that was, so, you, had, you know, Hollywood. And the film. sexual harassment was accepted, damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Back, <laughs> back, back when you could take a grope and not take it personal. Oh Jesus Christ! We are wow, not. This wow, is not wow. Go that is not. I am th- not condoning that. I'm just no, saying. No, no, no. We're oh, saying that on the fly. We're not saying. No, oh, stop. Oh. I, I do know so, somebody. So, the social so, justice warriors are going to come out in the woodwork right now. Somebody will take that out of context and bitch. But no, I mean we're we're making fun of that. So stop. So, so we 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 go out to Hollywood with the enforcers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Anne May in that in that panel. She's oh, just, I know. Like, Look at all she, that. She's, she's thinking about all the mescaline she's going to take when Peter's gone. Here, let me hold that. There, Aunt May. I don't care. Whatever. Just go out to Hollywood. We don't care. What we didn't know was that when when she went away uh, for the weekend, or when when Peter went away for when, when Aunt LA, May went out on the weekend, that uh, <laughs> that Aunt May had a uh, she had like a kind of a, a quick fling with Willie Lumpkin. <laughs> he delivered he, the mail. Yeah, he drove upstage. Spent a weekend up in the Catskills, <laughs> showing off Willie skills. Oh anyway. no. And um, they're gonna go see Bobby Sherman at the, at the yeah, yeah, the yeah. it's gonna be great. You don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> so this is back, uh, back in the era when the Green Goblin. Well, this is the first time Green Goblin showed up, and he's got yeah. the, you know, instead of the instead of the glider. Uh, yeah. Another thing that we can, I uh, well, I don't know when did the glider first come in. It didn't come in until Ramita did it. No, it was no. there. Did it? Did it no, come in the glider, Jr. When did the yeah, glider yeah, come I, in? I think the glider came in in issue number 17, mm-hmm. um, the, the next time the goblin appeared. Um, in fact, I think he, uh, the, the goblin made the point of saying, let's see here. It's more agile, right? He does reference it, I think. Yeah. But the glider does appear in issue number 17. And it was more agile, right? I I don't know. I don't know. I you've got me at a disadvantage here. Jr. Well, I mean, when you ride a broom, is it actually? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, if you want to, uh, if, if if you want to talk to an expert about riding brooms, I'll call my wife down. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I, I do just can't be sinister riding around on a broom. No, yeah. I mean, think back to Harry Potter, right? I mean, like Voldemort was never on a broom. <laughs> yeah, Voldemort didn't need didn't need such you know? peasant things. So, uh, so yeah, I can, you know, you, you can see why they make the change because the broom is just not, that's not the way to go. Real, real quick, JR, has there ever been any memorabilia of the goblin on a broom? <laughs> not that I'm aware of. No. <laughs> Was that no. more to do like a uh, Wicked Witch of the West type? Maybe. Riff with him to have him on the broom? I mean... Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, I mean, the thing is, here here's the thing. Uh, uh, Stan's idea of the Green Goblin was originally an, a, a, a spirit released from an Egyptian sarcophagus. Surprise, um, that's not what happened in Ultimate Marvel. Yeah, no, <laughs> no kidding. No, we got the Hulk in Ultimate. The Marvel. Hulk Goblin. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but Ditko was always, you know, obviously. More a little more more grounded, and he said, "Nah, nah, this is this, nah, this is stupid." Um, so you know, probably you know, by creating the goblin or whatever, he you know just picked another Halloween reference uh, and said, "Well, you know, he'll fly on a broom." Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, and, well, and, and it's like anything else. I mean, these characters evolved over time. You know, I mean, it's you know the 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 terrible tinkerer was originally an alien, and then you know Stephen Stan said, "No, nah, no, nah, we don't want to go in the direction of aliens," and you know, so it's you know, I don't think much of it. It's just a little, little curio 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 
uh, of a time gone by. Well, the whole character is based in Halloween crap. Mm-hmm. You know, like goblins, Pumpkins. spooks, you know, mm-hmm. like he throws out, you know, some of his, some of the weapons he throws out, some of them are like frogs. Some of them yeah, are bad. The Sonic Toad. Some of them look yeah. like, like ghosts. Actually, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, he, and of course the, the pumpkin bomb. So of course, what's more? Bomb. You can't go wrong with a pumpkin bomb. What the hell? What's that from? Did you never, have you guys never heard the BBC audio Spider-Man series? No, I haven't. Okay, I'll, I'll 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 fix this for you. I just, I just, I just like that you kind of quasi. Uh, yes, we see it, Zach. Okay, you I just, just you just stumped the whole spider panel with the BBC I, uh, stuff. <laughs> I just like that you kind of almost went into a to a rap there, almost. Like a quasi- I thought he was I was rapping on the fly. It was, it was like a proto rap. No, I, I thought that's a. I thought that Bubba Moose was going to jump out any, any second right now. <laughs> no, there was a there's a, a a producer for the BBC named Dirk Mags who, in the late '80s and early '90s, did a bunch of uh, DC uh, audio dramas. He did a, a, a Superman special, a Batman special, then he did a full on Superman show. Then he adapted both the Death of Superman and Nightfall. Uh, and those got released over here. And in 95, he did Spider-Man. The Fantastic Four were involved. And he basically adapted, like, the first 15, uh, like, 20 or so issues of Amazing Spider-Man over, like, 20, 20 episodes. Hmm. And uh, he does some really weird things with the uh, the origin. One, Spider-Man lives in... Peter lives in Brooklyn. And... <laughs> The 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 burglar actually takes Uncle Ben hostage and wastes him in front of everybody. <laughs> oh in no! Front May, in front of May and Peter? Yeah, in front of Peter and May and the oh. cops and everybody. And the cops? Yeah. He just. But um. <laughs> okay. And well, uh, that got dark. The, the green the Green Goblin shows up, and when he <laughs> the throws burglar? out, no, not with no. This is later oh. in the thing. Okay. <laughs> he, he has a pumpkin bomb, and it actually it like talks. <laughs> so he throws it out and goes pumpkin bomb pumpkin bomb you can't go wrong with a pumpkin bomb <laughs> it's haunting it really is jr you gotta hear yeah, this I'm, surpri- I'm surprised that uh <clears throat> defoe didn't say sing that in the first spider-man movie <laughs> you know he just did the itsy bitsy spider or whatever right itsy spider there was a strange life form that went behind zach in fact it's it's even there's something it's like a big are you sure there's like a there's like a little monster in your room, Zach? Hornacek says that uh, BBC show is still better than Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> he, he's got a, he, he's not wrong. I just, <laughs> make that clear. Wow. The um <clears throat> and and just because we we've been talking about audio stuff, <clears throat> Bailey, I don't know if you've ever heard it or not, uh, Brad. I, I don't think we've ever talked about it. Uh, in the in the in the seventies, there was an attempt to make like a, or not an attempt. They actually did like a series of uh, fantastic four Uh things to be played on the radio. And Bill Murray was the human torch. Bill Murray. Yeah. They, uh, they did a pretty faithful adaptation of like the first 10 issues. They were good. I mean, they're, they're enjoyable to listen to. Yeah. You can find those on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, can you? Yeah. I didn't know. I I found them like, uh, Oh God. Remember back in the days of like Kazaa? Yeah. You know, like I found, I found them on on that. I think way, way back in the day. You know, um, Bailey, you'll you'll remember this. Remember uh, dr- uh, the Power Records Spider Man with the Dragon Dragoon? Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, what, what was his name? Dragoon. I, I forget. Dra- Drax. Drax. Was it yeah, Drax? I, I remember that. And I also I also remember the Hulk ones where the Hulk sounded like he was doing a bad American Indian impersonation. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, smash. <laughs> yeah, you're not off by much. <laughs> All right. Uh, me- meanwhile, back in the back in the issue. Oh, sorry. Yeah, back in the dynamic uh, Steve Ditko issue uh, that we keep deviating from. Um, so Spider-Man shows up in Hollywood ostensibly to be in a, in a motion picture, and the entire thing has been set up by the Green Goblin. The enforcers who are in the scene um, show up, and and it's funny because like the 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 Green Goblin is basically the director. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 no one ever questions that. It's just like, oh, you're the director. Well, I guess I'm in Hollywood. <laughs> you know, I guess ever this is just par for the course. And the more things uh, change, the more things stay the same. You know, Norman never uh, went back to directing, did he, Jr. <laughs> 
No, but uh, but uh, if, when John Byrne uh, redid things in Chapter One, he had Norman own a uh, movie studio, which is sort of how he tried to 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 you know make this rather absurd little story actually make some sense. Yeah, is that Norman the owned least a, a, a thing he did in that series? Yeah. <laughs> Which actually, you know, I mean, actually, I, I didn't have a problem with. I thought that was rather clever. I always, I always thought Norman was kind of a, you know, a, a nerd, really, growing up himself. Um, but uh, you know, he made references to wanting to be a science fiction writer at one time, and I always figured that, you know, it, to me, it made perfect sense. I mean, you know, wh- wh- why would he get? Why would he? Where would he come up with a Green Goblin costume? And where would he come up with all the toys? Well, you know, he had special effects people work on them. You so know, you're saying that come up with them. You're saying that Norman <clears throat> could have diverged from the point where he became the Green Goblin and instead gone on to become L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Actually, considering that, uh, considering the the cult of the Goblin, uh, yes, very much so. Yeah, I, I, I totally, I would totally see that. I mean, he is yep. that egotistical mm-hmm. uh, that he would he would create his own religion. Mm-hmm. Now I kind of want to see that. And then Tom I mean, Cruise, after, I mean, Tom Cruise became Reed president, Cameron. right during uh, during um, uh, Earth X. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, so uh, so the enforcers jump Spidey uh, when the yeah. camera is rolling, uh, and um, and Ox hits Spider Man from behind, and then Spider Man rolls with the punch, and he says, uh, you know, hey, if you do that again, I'll forget this is a movie. Uh, he must be nuts to swing so hard. Wait, why are my spider senses? Why are my spider senses tingling this way? And I'm like, maybe because you just got hit from behind, jackass. <laughs> maybe that's why. Yeah, look I'm at this. Going to go out on a limb and say maybe it's because somebody just sucker punched you. <clears throat> so he winds up fighting the enforcers, and as agile as he would later become, it just hadn't kicked it at this point because <laughs> he, he's he's able to get away from Fancy Dan's lasso. But but while he does that, he gets he gets hit by Ox again. Um, Ox apparently. Had, in the, in his early days, Ox was apparently the equivalent of Stegron's tail. <laughs> Something that that Spider Man had absolutely no answer for, couldn't, couldn't contend with. You know, was going to hit him ten times out of ten. <laughs> and uh, and so the enforcers, the enforcers go after him. You know, Spider Man's managing basically just to get away. Yeah. You know, but with all of them jumping him at once, this is before Spider Man had learned to you know be able to use his opponents against one another. Um, as he would later on. Um, and, and, and so here, three guys trying to get him at once, aided by the director. Yeah, what happened to his spider sense <laughs> is what Rusek uh, says. Well, he mentions it. Here's the thing. I think Ditko drew the story and just forgot about it. <laughs> and then Lee was like, dude, yeah. you, you, how did this guy hit Spider-Man from behind? He's got spider sense. And then Ditko's probably like, oh, shit. <laughs> my bad dog and then spider-man's like okay well it stands like screw it all got it here he references it here it's fine now just move he was, he was too busy reading atlas shrugged yeah <laughs> and it changed his life forever a is a oh god black, is black. white and, is white okay Sorry. and so uh so spider-man uh <laughs> I don't, dude, it, <laughs> having Zach's on, it's like a minefield. <laughs> trying to keep a coherent thought. He loses track, gets bored and whatever, and starts pulling out figures and puppets and going nuts. Or he starts, Animals. He starts going through wardrobe stuff, or he'll just – it. If I, I can't count the number of times we've been derailed just by Zach getting bored. <laughs> so um, – so Spider-Man is jumped by by four people now, the Enforcers and the Green Goblin. Fancy yeah. Dan manages to, to wrangle him up with the rope, but he breaks free of the rope. He actually breaks Fancy Dan's rope. At that yep. point, Fancy Dan is just Fancy Dan without a rope. <laughs> <laughs> He's been deemed powerless by the, by the lack so of rope. He's not so fancy without his rope. He's just Dan. <laughs> Which means he's he's just a dude who no longer who has a rope and then doesn't have a rope. <laughs> so what's he gonna do? <laughs> Aside from that, his his, his secondary what kind of existential ennui are you going for here? <laughs> his secondary power is dude in a suit. <laughs> what you gonna do, brother? <laughs> you know. And then this is the point where where Fancy Dan, who's now rendered uh, uh, who's now rendered Power impotent was. by the loss of his rope, <laughs> goes uh, dance off, bro. Me and you. I mean, that's all he has left. 
That's all he has in a bag of tricks, right? But then, uh, don't worry, Fancy Dan, Ox jumps on Spider-Man and starts uh, kicking the crap out of him again, because Spider-Man has no answer to Ox. (laughs) Although, finally, he is able to knock all of them off of him. And then, and and then, you know, try to try to. He knocks him over. Says the party's over. <clears throat> and then, because the I think the Green Goblin had dumped off a pumpkin bomb. What did the Where did the smoke come from? Well, they're in the desert. I think they, they just <laughs> it's just the dust. Okay, so yeah, dust, dust cloud comes desert, suddenly yeah. there. You know, Spider Man's Spider Man's able to get away. Yeah. And so that's that's that fight. And so later on, back in their cave lair. You know, you've got the Green Goblin look going through a series of catacombs. There's a really cool story. I'm gonna I'm gonna divert here for a minute from back in um, oh god, like the 30s or 40s. There was some some guy. L.A. Times ran this story. There was a guy named E. Walter Schufelt who claimed that there was a vast underground city underneath Los Angeles, and that it was filled with artifacts and 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 perhaps living living member still of a tribe of Native Americans that worship snakes. <laughs> and he claimed to have discovered chambers using seismographic instruments that, and, and also that these chambers were filled with gold. You know, n- never mind the fact that seismograph readings aren't going to say, hey, there's a big pile of gold in here. <laughs> and and your gold. And it wasn't until I, I think like they built the Santa Monica Expressway or whatever that they found out, oh, yeah, there's nothing underneath here. It turns out this, this guy was just full of shit the whole time. Uh, but it, since they're in Hollywood, it made me, it, yeah, exactly. It made me think about it made me think about this guy uh, in his story. Uh, anyway, so so they're, <laughs> they're in a cave. They roll a boulder um, in front of the cave entrance and they think, oh, it's it's safe in here. It's you know, it's it's it's. It, it, it's dark, you know. It, it, we're we're safe in here. We've managed to escape, and then and then <laughs> the Green Goblin says, "Don't be a fool. the <laughs> The four of us can handle a dozen Spider Man." <laughs> and, or and I'm like, foreshadowing. One one of them just kind of, you know, you you couldn't capture one of them. What makes you think you could handle six of them, or let alone a dozen of them? And so one by one, Spidey starts taking these guys off inside the cave. Uh, of course, he. Uh, uh, he takes out. Uh, oh God, who, <clears throat> it's not who Fancy is it? Dan. It's is it the Crime Master? No, not the Crime Master. What, what's, yeah. the, what's the guy with the lasso in that panel? No, the guy with the lasso is uh, Montana. Wait, no, that's Montana. I, Montana. I was okay. confusing Montana and Fancy Dan earlier. Okay, which makes my which makes my Fancy Dan jokes now not as funny. It's all because good. I was coming from a place of ignorance. Um, I always forget that Montana's. I always for, no. I always forget Montana's an actual member. I always remember Ox and Fancy Dan. Montana just doesn't stick out. Yeah. It's a state. He, he's the, he, <laughs> he's the one with the cowboy hat, son, and becomes anyway. a shocker on Spectacular Spider-Man. So, uh, so they they fight to this cave. Uh, Spider-Man finally manages to hit Ox, who has a glass jaw. Yeah. Despite being a guy named Ox, uh, Spider-Man jumps down on a rock he's holding and <laughs> just hits him one time, and this guy's out. Uh, and oh, hey, then surprise shock, the Hulk shows up. <laughs> I like that panel. He just comes out of the smoke. He's been hiding in a cave. It, yeah, it, it, it's random, though. That's the, that's the problem with it. It's one of the most random things that's ever happened in Spidey. It's like Spidey and Electro fighting, and then suddenly they, you know, suddenly a werewolf's there. <laughs> <laughs> Werewolf by night shows up. <laughs> you know what? Listen what to Spider Man's. He's like, Holy Hannah, of all the caves to pick for a fight, we had to pick the one the Hulk was hiding in. Yeah, it's just it's it's so out of left field. I loved well, it. You know what's funny? It, it seems like you could just visualize Stan jumping on his couch and he's sitting there with with <laughs> Steve, and he's like, and then suddenly the Hulk shows up, and Steve's <laughs> like, what? Yeah, it, it, it's like they just wanted an excuse to be able to throw Hulk in the cover somehow. Because it, it, it's almost like it's almost like they they went back and redrew pages because you could tell that the original, I think the the original artwork didn't have the Hulk anywhere on the cover, <laughs> and they just yeah. kind of added it on as an afterthought. And they were like, you know what, screw it, let's have the Hulk show up. Okay, uh, what about draw a little box on the right hand side, Edco? <laughs> why, okay, what? Why is he in the story? Uh, screw it, he was in the cave. He just happened to be there. <laughs> Okay. Even even back in like the early sixties, they were willing to say F it, it's comics. <laughs> you know? That's funny. <laughs> so the Hulk 
the Hulk comes out of uh, of the of the darkness of the cave through the dust, you know, kicked up from the fight. And of course, the Green Goblin's throwing bombs everywhere around on his, you know, manly broomstick. <laughs> and and um and so Green Goblin's watching, thinking, "Oh, this is great. Hulk's going to do my work for me because you know nothing that lives can match the Hulk's strength." Right. Of course, Hulk at this time is having problem, you know, landing any kind of hits on Spider-Man whatsoever. And this is one time when Ditko does manage to get Spider-Man's agility yeah. right. You know, yeah. um, he jumps up. You know, Hulk tries to hit him. He jumps out of the way, crawls up on a uh, what looks to be some sort of stalag, stalag stalagmite or stalactite, whatever it is, yeah. goes from the top to the bottom. So I don't think it's either. Stalactite uh, goes from the ground up. Stalag has a G ground. Stalac has a C ceiling. Yeah, I'll not, I won't remember that later. Woo. There's no way they should. I just it. gave you a key. <laughs> I won't remember it later. I'm just telling you. <laughs> They'll be a quiz. Well, Bailey, Professor Bailey shows up for a random cameo, <laughs> educating us on on different things. So, so Spider-Man, you know, tries a, a series of different wrestling moves because that's a lot of time, you know, when when. Superhero fights came down to melee. A lot of times you tried to grapple somebody. Again, I'm doing the Kirby thing, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and and Spider-Man finally hits him. Spider-Man finally manages to, uh, to hit, hit Hulk right in the face. It's a, it's a nice hit, too. And, of course, as we just saw last month, funny how I still remember this 30 days later. <coughs> um, Spider-Man's holding his hand because he hurt his hand hitting the Hulk. <laughs> So uh <laughs> that's a good that's a good Ditko punch. Look at that punch. No, that was very good. That's a great looking punch Ditko on the panel, hole. That's that's very powerful. Yeah. Now in a Ramita panel in a Ramita drawn book, this is every other panel. Mm. You know, it, it, it's it's is the power of the punch. Or in, in Sabu Simas, this is this is this looks like somebody getting coffee. I just like I that, mean that's how that's how dynamic in, and powerful in, in the is. first appearance of the of their fight. Where is it? Where he just says, I think I moved the, this this panel here, where he's like, all right, Hulk, I've had enough. Here we go. I'm going to throw one. I just like that that sequence. Yeah. And, uh, and, and of course, you know, the Hulk doesn't like getting, getting punched. Uh, we finally remember Spider-Man's spider sense. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ditko has, clearly shows it going off. And this time it allows him to get hit by the Hulk, but it gives him enough time to pull back. So he's kind of, you know, kind of rolling with the punch. And so it's more of a glancing blow, but it's still a glancing blow from the damn Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and so so he staggered for a minute. The Hulk tries to, to smash him, but he winds up smashing some rocks and Spider-Man jumps out of the way. And of course, right after he right after he, he dodges out of the Hulk, he instantly comes upon the Green Goblin and starts fighting him. Yeah. And, and it's a real brief, just, uh, just in six panels, you know, he just has Spider-Man kind of, kind of swing up, grab, grab the broomstick while, while the goblin's trying to maneuver. And then Spider-Man falls down into like a, into like a, a watery, I don't know, what is that a grotto or some kind of, some sort of underground aquifer that runs back out to the outside. Yeah. It's the Ogallala aquifer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, um. And then Spidey, you know, watches Hulk leave the cave, and he rounds up the enforcers, takes them back uh, just in time, I guess, for a police chopper to show up. Right? Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's an army helicopter. That's that's, that's yeah. right. It's an army helicopter. Uh, and so the end. This is one of the weirdest damn Ditko <laughs> issues there ever was. I love it, though. Um, you you got to say that, that he got to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. So, so George, let's uh, the Green Goblin fight. Who won that one? Well, that there wasn't really a fight. I mean, the Green Goblin stayed out of range the entire time, just throwing yeah. bombs, riding around on his crotch rocket, right. and he he escaped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he escaped, but yeah. the, the the whole point for him mm-hmm. was was killing Spider Man in an ambush. Mm-hmm. And that didn't. So in that in that in, in that sense, he failed. Okay. But of course, he didn't go to jail. He gets away. Uh, if you're the enforcers, clearly you lost. Yeah. Um, Spider Man lost the Hulk battle. Uh, I don't know. He? I don't know because because Hulk he hit Hulk once. Hulk hit him once. 
And then they just kind of went their separate ways. It really seems more like a draw, although he was definitely trying to get away from Hulk when that happened. Um, the decision is is that uh, uh, <laughs> this this fight was uh, was canceled due to Ditko. <laughs> I mean, I, it, there's no clear winners except the only clear losers are the enforcers. So if we want to say it was Spidey versus the enforcers, then yes, yeah, Spidey won. Okay, Spidey won hands down, and the other two are. Let's let's go let's go to the YouTuber comments. Who do you think won the Goblin and the Hulk fight? We'll wait a couple minutes so they can hear it on the delay. Uh, Jr. or Bailey or Zach, any thoughts of who won that the Hulk Goblin fight? Obviously the Hulk, because Hulk always wins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's such a mishmash because, like, I mean, the Hulk didn't fight the Enforcers. I mean, the fight is versus Amazing Spider-Man number fourteen. So <laughs> he was fighting that issue, wasn't he? <laughs> you know, he, he was fighting the fever dream of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko trying to, to to draw this fever dream, and well, it didn't necessarily work out. <laughs> do you, Bailey? Do you like this issue? Um, yeah, but only in I don't really like it as a Spider-Man story. What do you like it? Well, no, well, keep in mind. <laughs> When I think of the Marvel Universe, it's usually from the perspective of either Captain America or the Hulk. Mm -hmm. So to me, this is one of the interstitial Hulk stories from after his series ended, but before he was in Tales to Astonish. Mm -hmm. You know, he bounced around. He was in the Avengers, and then he was in Fantastic Four, and then he was in this. Uh, And and I like that Stan didn't give up on the idea. Sorry. That's a fat one. Um, <laughs> well done. Ancient like reference. reference. Yeah, I like to do the deep cuts. But <laughs> That's a deep cut. Um, that was a this a, day in history cut. <laughs> yeah, as, a, uh, as a Spider-Man story, it's important because it's the first appearance of the Green Goblin. But like most Stan ideas from the 60s, it isn't what it was in the beginning. It's what it eventually became that the Green Goblin's a special character. I mean, if, if he had never appeared again, this would be a forgotten, you know, just like weird menace that Spider-Man fought, but they developed him further. Uh, I don't think it's a good first appearance, but I don't think it's terrible either. So, you know, the Spider-Man as a Marvel comic from the sixties is one of the most consistently good series that was coming out. Like the fantastic four really took about 20 or 30 issues to get good. They were weird and there was interesting things going on, but it seemed like Spider-Man was more fully baked coming uh, when he was coming out. So not high, but according uh, to Marvel, (laughs) the story, there was a lot of people that were baked. (laughs) Yeah, there was, but at the, go ahead, Mike. But I just um, – this isn't my favorite early issue of Spider-Man. Let, let's have JR's rebuttal about it. Was this a good first appearance of the Goblin? I don't think no, – I don't think pretty, you're going to disagree. It was pretty effing stupid. <laughs> in fact, it was probably the stupidest Goblin story until uh, the final chapter in The Gathering of the Five. <laughs> and now we know why JR didn't take the episode over. When what, what issue did you fall in love with the Goblin, JR? It, it wasn't the first appearance? Was well, it the unmasking? You, well, first of all, when you say fall in love, you make that – I get very uncomfortable uh, with that with that because uh, that's, exactly, like that's not exactly how I pictured it, uh, particularly in this uh, post-Harvey Weinstein slash Kevin Spacey slash uh, uh, thing, thing going on. Uh, well, actually, you know, George – I mean, not George, but Brad, we had a podcast episode about that. Actually, in fact, it was, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, so you're asking me this question, which was already answered in a podcast. Let's I think see. you know what number where you it did. Was, it, was, it, was, it was annual. It was annual uh, number nine. Uh, that uh, You forget, oh. JR, this is Brad. You could have lunch with Brad and Brad, y'all could both go to Subway. And then later that <laughs> night, Brad will ask what sandwich he had. Yeah, Brad, Brad, let, 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 let's be honest. Brad is Peggy Carter in Captain America Winter Soldier. Wow. That's so sad we only talk every other year, Bailey. 
guys are like, hey, come back off and Bailey. Funny. That's funny. Yeah, but that's, that's okay because you're going to forget about this. <laughs> Oh, man. oh the, the YouTubers are loving that. I just, I just, just, just like a, with holy crap, Bailey. I just went for like, a, I went for a little sting. Bailey moved in for the, for like the, the fatality, the jugular, <laughs> the jugular. Yeah. Oh, well, here, here it is. Actually. All I heard was, was, uh, was a crotch stomping by Bailey. What the hell happened? <laughs> you know, like, we actually, we actually talked about this actually in podcast what? number three ninety nine. Okay. Uh, the November 2015 podcast, Brad, because we talked about Amazing Spider-Man 66 and the original Spectacular Spider-Man magazine number two, which featured that story. But I okay. like I, I picked up the reprint uh, annual number nine at Bob King's Barbershop. I traded him a couple old Batmans for it, and that began my <laughs> lifelong passion for the Goblin. You know, so Spec, it, it, Spec Magazine 2 is your... You, Sealed that the was, deal. That was it. That was that sealed the deal. Yes. Yeah. Such an amazing story, too. That is yeah. that was a fantastic goblin story. Yeah. And if you want to see that really well done in animation, uh the episode Turning Point in the 90s show absolutely crushed adapting that that particular issue in that episode. Well, you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned adaptation because this is loosely adapted on Spider-Man and his amazing friends, this issue, where Spidey goes to Hollywood. Relax. Yeah, amazing but nobody friends. can nobody considers Spider Man and his amazing friends good anime, a good a good TV show. <laughs> Actually, that one episode is the one that I will go back to again and again because it, it, <laughs> yeah, I love that one. When I was a kid, it had the Hulk in it, so I was going to exactly watch it. see yeah. that, Bailey and I were no, I, when I think of Spider Man and his amazing friends. You know, I think of that really stupid living arrangement in, in Aunt May's house. Uh, where she doesn't, she does, she doesn't question why she's got her own version of Three's Company going on in her house, you know, with uh, Come Spidey, on, and Iceman, Spidey, Iceman, and uh, never, what's her name, F- Firestar, going on there. Oh, I've never know? heard anybody call Amazing Friends Three's Company. What it what is? It is totally Three's Company. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Three's Company with a dog. Yeah, and Mr. Roper is Aunt May. I seriously want Bobby Drake to like bust in. It's like we got to go to the Regal Beagle right now. <laughs> well, actually, Hornacek just wrote, and then Brad fired Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's been, he's been firing me for the last twelve years, and I keep rehiring me. Kalish you know. just wrote, "Man, I really enjoyed Jr.'s last show." <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, the thing is, is Jr. is not wrong. Wait a minute. No, no, no. no. That show on an objective level is terrible. No. No, yes. No. Yes. It is awful. Yes. No. The, the, okay. episode, the episode where, where they're visited by the girl from the future and Peter falls in love with her. And when she goes back, he decides, you know what? I'm just going to abandon Aunt May. I'm going to abandon my whole responsibility gig. I'm, you know, just to hightail it with this, you know, and get this tale from the future, you know? Future tale. Yeah, yeah, future yeah. Tale. <laughs> On top of that, you have an Australian Wolverine. You have. <sighs> Um, Angelica being known as Miss Angelica Jinks. I know. Well, I, I love that show. But yeah, it, we love it because it was part of our childhood. Yeah. But it, it's it's kind of like if all you get to eat is McDonald's, you're going to <laughs> accept it because it's all you have to eat. But at the time, you're probably going to die of a bunch of different diseases. <laughs> yeah, well, the amount of preservatives in your body—that's true. But but my point is, is that in the late seventies and the early eighties, you were we just happy them. to have something. Yeah, we were just happy to have something. It's just like yeah. these kids today with their hula hoops and their damn Fogelberg records don't. <laughs> don't and that was a basketball <laughs> reference for everybody. Uh, you kids uh, today with the Alan Parsons Project. <laughs> You, you kids in it with your Avengers and your, you know, no, Ultimate Spider-Man. And- look, look, you can't turn on a channel right now and flip through yeah. like your cable package and not find yeah. something superhero related. <clears throat> Whereas we have the Hulk TV show. Adam West was in perpetual reruns. But as far as new material, it was few and far between. So, yeah, we're going to love it. 
back back in the day when when that cartoon came on, if it had been if it had been if they had just used the name and put it on some jackass replaced character, we would have watched it thinking it's Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I would think that actually George would loathe uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends for the very reason that Tony Stark was their sugar daddy uh, yeah. in that show. <laughs> I mean, Almost remember, I mean, there. it's uh, yeah, you know, he's the one that gave them all their equipment. gave them all the toys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with the voice George, of George, the, what do you with think the of the voice that? of William Marshall? Yeah, no, the um, too much I mean, Dan Stark in the eighties. It's, it, I mean, I, I like it. I have nostalgia for the show. It wasn't perfect. It had some some dog moments, like like Tony Stark. It, it had like, <laughs> or or yeah. Video Man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Video Man. Remember Video Video Man is like the nadir of storytelling, cartoon storytelling. <laughs> the but fact that, that whole- Hunter brought that idea up and and like the conceptual meaning when their story, you know, they're they're well, video games for ideas. That's why the, the fact that whoever did that probably wasn't frog marched out of the room. <laughs> out, out, what out of the roof? Frog marched. Frog yeah. marched. What's a frog march? It's like marched out like a frog. That's that's where you basically stick a gun in somebody's back and they kind of like hello my baby hello my <laughs> out the door and then you hear a little gunshot and you know you'll never have to hear about video man again. <laughs> oh, that's going to trigger somebody. We're going to get angry. We're going to get no, angry texts now always, or messages from. But that is, the episode with the Hulk, though, I remember watching that as a kid and I rewatched it when it was on Netflix yeah. a couple years ago, and it's actually because of the Hulk being in it. Mm-hmm. It somehow elevates that episode. When it had other superheroes, the show was actually pretty cool. And that's where I was introduced to people like Captain America and Shane of the She-Devil. So, yeah, seven little, seven little superheroes. superheroes. Awesome. Yeah. That was the apex of that show. That and the X-Men episode. <laughs> Even though the X-Men episode was flawed. I mean, let's face it. But, you know. Roy! Corky, I relate to the That was the first time I saw Wolverine, by the way. Da, 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 it's that episode. I, I'd not heard of Wolverine until that episode. Apparently, neither had the anime or had the voice director <laughs> because they yeah, made yeah. him from, like, as Zach said earlier, from Australia. <laughs> and they carried that over but to that the Pride of the, X-Men, Pride of the X-Men. Right, the pilot, yeah. Cartoon well, Wolverine yeah, later went on to do ads. So, actually, it was a, it was a forebearer of, of Hugh Jackman. Yes, exactly. Oh. Wow, yeah. full circle. They, you know, Foster's is, is just missing out on an opportunity of, like, Wolverine. Beer. <laughs> we brought you Wolverine. Beer. Okay, you went from Australian to like Cockney in like one sentence. Cockney. Ah, you know. All right, I, I, I think we're probably done with this episode. I think we're done with the episode. Too. <laughs> I don't know, man. People are going to be like, we want to hear you guys more about talking about cartoons from the '80s because you're all old. Hey, hey. <laughs> Watch it, Kimosabe. Yeah, yeah, you're 30 now. Bite me, okay? (laughs) I think that's how we end the episode. I think that's good.